Good evening. Welcome to A Glow Muskegon, episode four of our podcast. Here tonight, we are looking forward to this. But before we go any further, I want to let you know that we are being sponsored by Pampered Chef. Lisa Enders is our Pampered Chef independent consultant. Lisa loves to, to be hospitable. As a matter of fact, Lisa has prepared the meals for our podcast using her Pampered Chef recipes and tools, well, since the inception, and we love it. So we want to encourage you to check her out on Facebook. That would be Pampered Chef Fun Food and Fellowship, I think it is, with Lisa. So our guest tonight is Miss Henrietta Hadley. And we will be listening to Henrietta's story. And I just want to welcome you this evening to the podcast. And, well, we're just going to get started. We're just going to just jump right into this. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, tell us a little bit about your story. Well, my story really has started to be an advocacy trail where I am an advocate for individuals that have really become voiceless um, to a subject that we all are very familiar with, unfortunately, being spousal abuse, intimate violence abuse, or any type of dating abuse. And as a survivor, um, unexpected survivor, that is, um, in love and living my best life as a new wife and um, really just getting um, my life together uh, with my husband, you know, uh, freshly new, uh, living in California where I had left the Muskegon area and moved to California to pursue many of the folks that I grew up with in the Reese Puffer School District will know that Mm. music and performing arts was my life. Um, I've heard you sing. It's powerful, yeah. Really, I left here um, in the um, early 80s to pursue a career um, Mm -hmm. in the California area and um, was blessed to meet the man of my dreams. (laughs) And in meeting the man of my dreams, we um, decided to get married and um, live, as I said earlier, our best life. But as you know, as a man and woman of God, Uh, seeking after God's heart, uh, all things can come into uh, your your journey that could deter you or to put you on a a journey that's very unexpected. And so my story really began when um, the two of us stopped communicating and we start uh, taking our marriage into our own hand. And and I say we because it is usually a two-way street Um, I think a lot of times when we tell this story, uh, we always want to tell it in a one-sided narrative. But I have Mm -hmm. come to learn that my story is our story. And the story was where we just lost our communication um, meter. And in losing our communication meter, a lot of activity um, started to take place in our marriage. And that activity began to be uh, traits and flags and signs that... I was not aware of. I had no idea that uh, some of these activities were taking place in our communication. And some of it had to do with the controlling um, Mm -hmm. behavior, um, the isolation behavior. And I just thought as a new wife, 
this is what I was supposed to do, mm. especially living a life and a marriage of faith. My husband is the head of my household. Yes. He is the leader of our home. And in some cases, I really took that scripture, leave and cleave, very intentional. And so the, my story is really tied up in a lot of miscommunication that led to a lot of hurt in yeah. a marriage. And I, what I really find interesting is that you said it was both of us. And you're right. We normally look at the the male or the abuser because it doesn't always have to be that the abused is a woman there's some men yes. right yes that are abused but we normally look at them as the villain and as the 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 other person the victim as simply that and not really having any responsibility in it so you say that's a little bit different that there are there are definitely two sides to a story exactly and being in the church is another important facet of that because as you mentioned we have learned and the Bible tells us that yes. our husband is the head yes and so when the flags come up lots of times we can overlook them because we're looking in another place exactly and and as a part of my story Vanessa is that I really was um, mm -hmm. leaning and depending on the Word of God um, the elders and the leaders in my church and, and believing that God was going to turn our marriage around when it, yeah. when it really start to involve our communication. Because if anyone is watching and anyone that has experienced um, a lack of communication can really lead to a lot of mixed messages and behaviors that are not um, positive when it comes to a marriage. Mm -hmm. So once we realized that um, our communication needed some help, um, I begin to pray and my husband begin to pray, mm -hmm. but I don't believe in our praying we were listening. Ah. <laughs> listening uh -huh. is the key word uh -huh. there. Listening to the will mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. And um, so my story really begins at a place where I just started asking God to show me his will for my life as well as the life for my husband and I. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, it did not um, continue to be a oneness um, operation any longer in my marriage. So mm -hmm. I did. My story it did end um, in divorce. And mm -hmm. in ending in divorce, God continued to um, keep my heart of forgiveness so that my husband and I could co-parent our daughter. That is so crucial. And, and so I say yeah. that because as much as spousal abuse can turn very ugly and can be very unforgiving and in some cases can be very mm. deadly. So once yes. God brought me out and my husband and I out of that marriage, I use my testimony as I hope someone today or tonight can mm. understand. He spared my life so that I could share. Amen. And so because he spared my life so that I could share, I am really committed to sharing my story and every at every opportunity that I'm given, doesn't matter the audience, doesn't matter the uh, situation. If there is a, if I can share the story because of the yeah. my life being spared, I do so. I want to go back a little bit in in something you said because it's really important. You spoke about the breakdown in communication in yes. marriages, and I believe most married couples we have arguments 
And sometimes they're pretty volatile arguments, not maybe to the point of pushing or shoving, but you know, angry, slamming doors and that sort of thing. Should that be something that a woman or a man or, or who, you know, a couple ought to be really aware of that might be opening a door to spousal abuse? Well, I think um, with any behavior that mm -hmm. is controlling over another person, that's always going to be the oh. first sign because we really should not be um, uh, sharing control. Control is really not a part of communication. Oh, I see. And it's mm -hmm. really should not be a part of love. So when the behavior of controlling mm. comes in and someone is controlling you or asking you to do something that you are not um, interested in participating in, that would probably be the first flag. But we do have one of our experts here that could lend to that. Um, yes. One of our mental health experts here um, that could lend to maybe uh, some information to answer that to, question. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if you would want to take a... Uh, well, we could ask. We can ask. Mitzi is here. Mitzi, your last name again? Alexander. Mitzi Alexander is here. Mitzi is a clinical psychologist and she is available, by the way, to answer any questions you have. So we actually encourage you to go, come on and put your questions in because we have someone here that can answer. Henriette and I aren't necessarily experts, but Mitzi is, and we really would like you to ask the question. So my question was about red flags. So you have a little, some more information to, to let us know. On, on the average couple, how do you draw the line between an average argument and one that could become a door to spousal abuse? Okay, well, first of all, let me address my title. I'm actually I'm a licensed master, master social worker. Okay. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I got that in. That's okay. Okay. Um, but some of the red flags for that, I'm going to go a different way rather than talk about the arguing because mm -hmm. I want to go to the part of the controlling, yes. as Henrietta talked about, and manipulation. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times women and some men, um, we are very taken back and we love attention. Uh, sometimes that mm -hmm. attention can become out of control. And if you have someone that's controlling everything, controlling you, isolating you from your family, um, yeah. those are definitely signs uh, or red flags. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So we know that's <laughs> something to look forward to. So as the communication began to break down in your relationship, mm -hmm. um, you guys were in ministry, yes. correct? Yes, we okay. were in ministry. Um, for all of the folks that know me from age seven, I have always sung and always sung in the church choir. And then as a um, student at Reese Puffer, was always in all of the concert mm -hmm. choirs and, and, and just really using the gift that I was birthed with um, as an instrument in any way, shape, or form. And so when I was singing um, as a special vocalist for various churches, um, my husband had been selected to be the youth pastor at our church. And okay. so with Promotion. that commitment, yes. I then started helping with the uh, youth department at our church in Pennsylvania. And I tell you, our ministry was soaring, so much so that I had... Um, approached our, our senior pastor mm -hmm. about a marriage enhancement program at our church because uh, my husband and I were 
uh, ex-husband and I were very involved in our um, church in California. Wait a second. <laughs> yes. Had the abuse started when you were going to have the marriage enhancement program? Yes, it had started because, oh. as I said earlier, I have always been a believer that God would deliver and that my one objective was to keep my marriage. Amen. And if I could Amen. not keep it, I knew who could Amen. in my faith walk. Amen. And so I had not given up at that point um, on my marriage. So mm -hmm. I wanted to use all the resources, all the tools, and all of whatever God was going to give us. And I knew in California that the marriage enhancement group at our church in California mm -hmm. was a really good place for us to come together and learn from other couples. And so now we're in Pennsylvania and I said, maybe I'll ask our senior pastor if we can do that here mm -hmm. because it may help our relationship mend and there yeah. might be some other couples in the church that are looking or need the same type of resource. Amen. And the senior pastor said, sure, but guess what? I want you and your husband to facilitate it. No. So I was elated. I said, well, this is a sign, a sure sign from God that not only is he going to give us an opportunity to learn more about mm -hmm. oneness, but he's also going to give us an opportunity to study to show ourselves approved, to be able to bring other couples together. And for about six years, we facilitated going through what we were going through because I believed God mm -hmm. that no matter what, I was going to submit myself to whatever I needed to, to really be obedient to God, to keep my marriage. And understand, the abuse is not physical. The abuse oh, okay. can be anything that you can imagine. It can be financial. It can be verbal. It can even be spiritual. How, do, how can it be spiritual? Because we can take scriptures and use them in a controlling way to manipulate, to isolate, to get the other person to do what you want them to do. And so there are so many forms of abuse. And I'm glad that we're talking about that because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily... Um, being in a physical fight, it can be mm -hmm. so much more than a physical fight as much ah. as it can be a mental fight. And so most of our um, behaviors were not um, based on physical. It was based on mental. And, and so control. I say we because we were probably both manipulating in our own way. And so mm -hmm. I say to anyone that's looking or viewing or watching the, the podcast, understand that your physical, your abuse, your spousal abuse is not always in the form of physical. Okay. We have a question. So the question we have for tonight is when the head does the wrong thing in a Christian marriage, what recourse does a woman have? Is he still a Christian if he is an abuser? So I don't know if you want to take that. We're going to aim the question at you, and okay. then I'll jump in if I need to. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, um, we are not the takers and the givers to Christianity or to faith or to uh, intimacy with Christ. So mm -hmm. I can't um, actions. If we are living a, a life of forgiveness, and I believe that I serve a God that will Amen. forgive over and over and over and over again. And mm -hmm. as he said, as I remember a song that says, you can put it in the sea of forgetfulness 70 times seven. 
you know. So with that being said, mm -hmm. I don't believe that God would take um, the Christianity away from someone because of their behavior, because that person could ask for forgiveness, repent, and God will, I know, he yeah. will be there. Um, but I do believe that there has to be leadership within the faith community so that when these behaviors start to take place, that either a man or a woman of God can go to someone of that faith and be able to get direction, be it if it's secular direction. And we have tons of resources that have come to light now in our mm -hmm. local yes, um, communities and our national um, awareness, as well as worldwide awareness. And I believe we have a number for the, the National yes, Domestic and let's, Violence and Abuse let's Hotline. Out. Yes, so I don't know if you'd like to give that out. I hope it's mm -hmm. on the screen as someone is watching. Yes, They may is. need to call that number for themselves or for mm -hmm. someone that they know. For if you're finding yourself in a situation where you are in trouble and you need some help, you can call 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E. And we're going to keep that on our screen from time to time. But that's 1-800-799-SAFE. It's confidential. They'll get the help that you need. So please don't be nervous or afraid to call. Give them a call. Now, um, back to the question. Mm -hmm. is, is there another question? Okay. On that question, uh, the, the, the listener asked if the husband gives, asks you to do something that's wrong, sinful. The Bible tells us, and this is in the Old Testament, and I cannot give you the scripture right now, that a wife is not um, bound to do what a husband tells her to do when it's against the law of God. So a woman that is told to do something, and I think that's what the question was, that was wrong, then she's not obligated to do it because her husband is the head of the household and we, as he being the head of the household, woman should be uh, submissive and obedient to her husband until he crosses the line to ask you to send. So if he says, get an abortion, you don't do that. And in the church, I'm praying that in the church that we have leadership that women mm -hmm. can feel safe to exactly. go to and that they'll get the truth and that they'll hear God's heart um, on what to do in those situations. Yes, ma'am. Another question. We have another question. Would you encourage others in an abusive situation to stay and pray for God to restore? Okay. Henrietta? Well, I will say this. Um, being an advocate for the last 20 years, um, we have all found that depending on the level of the abuse, which there should be none, that you should always be seeking a safety plan to leave in the event that that uh, activity or behavior escalate to the point where you are not safe. Um, how do you know you are not safe? You know what your gut is telling you. Um, knowing the resources make a difference, I believe, in whether or not a person will stay or whether they will leave. I think knowing you have a support system will also determine that. But what I have found is that, yes, we have been taught to stay and pray, but there have been research and statistics that show when you stay and you are not listening to what God tells you for the sake of fear, it is deadly. And Mitzi. I will like to ask Mitzi to add to that as well. I was just about to, to, to ask well. Mitzi if she had something to end. 
Well, I think I'm going to go um, in the way that Henrietta went and just say safety is first, mm -hmm. um, especially if you have children in the home. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we talk <laughs> about spousal abuse, but we don't talk about the children and the trauma that it causes for them. So if you are not in a safe place, I am encouraging you to contact the number and find a safe place for yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Moving on, what is Project We Are Free? Project We Are Free um, really has been a blessing to me and seven other women. Um, it is a book project that I had the pleasure to participate in oh, in about, like a, in about uh, probably I'm thinking about a year and a half ago. Um, I had started asking God to give me opportunities to channel my story and to give an outlet that would be pleasing, mm -hmm. that would be receptive to share my story. Because a story like this is not always as receptive as you believe mm. if there are family and friends and survivors that are in denial, because that is a form of healing before we, you know, are, are totally at the um, thriving level of surviving. We go into a state of denial. And mm -hmm. in that state of denial, there are certain ways that you can hear, see, and feel things that you need. So the book project was an opportunity for me to channel. And it was an opportunity for me to share the story with seven women mm -hmm. from across the country where we all had an opportunity to share a small chapter of our stories that were associated with some form of family abuse. So all the stories in this compilation mm -hmm. of, a, of a book were not all spousal abuse uh, stories. Some of the stories were um, stories of bystand, innocent bystanders that may have saw um, some form of violence in their communities and their families. Yeah. Um, maybe they um, had trauma childhood trauma that they're still living with. And so my opportunity to be a part of Project We Are Free um, gave me a, a platform to share my story um, and to not only share my story, but to also help others that were either um, thriving or surviving or those that have not touched their inner voice and have not um, even trusted themselves enough to share their inner voice. So Project Free um, has been a blessing to myself and my growth, as well as the audiences that I've had the opportunity to share Project We Are Free. This book, we're going to be giving away a copy of this to every person. We're gonna do a drawing, actually. And so every person that puts a, a question in, uh, to the Facebook Live, we're going to put your name in a drawing and we're going to get you this book. So ask your questions. Put the book here. <laughs> okay. Um, back to Project We Are Free. And you, and you spoke about denial early and transparency yeah. and yes. those sort of things. And I know that women who are the first time he slaps you, you don't mm -hmm. tell anybody. Right. You keep that to yourself. Mm -hmm. What would you say? to a woman that's going through something like right, right now? If there is a behavior that, um, and I always say, as, 
that surprises you. I think in any relationship, if you are taken aback by a behavior or an action, Mm -hmm. um, I would really take a moment to ask the individual that gave that type of behavior, Mm -hmm. what just, what is going on? What just happened? Talk about the behavior immediately because it could be something that could be remedied. Meaning that if you're taking that type of behavior, you're not taking control of your actions. So now we need to find out why are you taking this form of behavior to express yourself. And I will segue this right over to Mitzi to say, when a person does stop communicating using words, using understanding, and as you said earlier, we all get upset. Yes. We all get, we can all get overtaken by emotion, mm-hmm. but there is a control that we all must adhere to so that slaps and pushing and all of the different behaviors of abuse do not happen. So I'm going to ask Mitzi um, to share what um, should be done when that type of behavior does take place in the form of communication between two individuals in an intimate relationship. Sure, and and let me just go back to the red flags with that as well. an abuser's behavior, um, that particular characteristics, they will always be there. Um, a lot of times we are so in love and we are so into the relationship that we don't see these qualities before we get married. Or, or before we get de- on. Yes. So we just have to be aware of, of that one particular thing. And so when the abuse does happen, uh, what we normally do and tend to do as humans and as females, we look at ourselves. Um, yes. Relationships take two people, and if there are problems or issues in a relationship, a lot of times we're both bringing that in. Hmm. And there are events and issues that have happened in our lives that we have not dealt with personally. And so we bring them in expecting to have a perfect relationship with someone, and we're not perfect ourselves, and we have... Not, I'll say skeletons, but I don't mean it in a negative way, mm-hmm. but we have things going and issues going on. So when you begin to see those behaviors, you definitely need mm-hmm. to begin to ask. But uh, with an abuser, I don't know that you will get an answer. Exactly. So then you need to step back and start evaluating the relationship and, and seeing if it's worth, um, and only you know that, and mm-hmm. your Christian walk, if that's a relationship that you're ready to put some work into. So would so you would would tell the woman to if this sort of thing happened not getting an answer should she seek out some counseling for the couple or for herself or is it too early to get an outside party involved? I would say she probably needs to seek counseling for herself um, if it is an abusive relationship. Um, a high percentage that he won't agree to go with her. So when I work with a woman who wants her husband to come, the first thing I say is, well, let's work on you first. Let's start with you. Mm -hmm. And then as we move forward, we're hoping that we can bring him in. Okay, that's great. Uh, We also have in the Muskegon area for women to seek assistance and possibly counseling at Every Woman's Place. And you can find them on the web. You can find them uh, on, in the phone book. And we have a question. How do you know that you've done all that you can do? 
Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. <laughs> and usually if it is a um, man, man or woman of faith, if you're praying, if you are inter if you are interceding, if mm -hmm. you have a level of transparency, if you're using the word that you are being given through your uh, pastors or your men and women at your church, uh, def different social or ministry groups, your your tool book, your toolbox is full. And yeah. I say that because every tool that there was possibly given to me through conferences, through scriptures, through daily devotions, you name it, I mm -hmm. used it. And it was a, a calculated decision to say, I've done all I can. And it took a counselor at one of those support groups that said to me, you cannot change mm. another individual. The only person that you can change is yourself. And so when I grabbed a hold to that, understood it, believed it, and repented and asked God to show me the errors of myself, then I knew that it was time for me to let go and surrender it. So it really does come down to when do you know when enough is enough when you have given all you have? When you surrender it to the Lord. I, I, I love that. I, I believe that that's, that's so key. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Another question. Okay, we are, we are going down to the wire here. Okay. But this is really good conversation. Yes. And... Um, we just want to encourage any woman, any man that you are in this turmoil, you're not sure what to do, we're encouraging you to call the 1-800-799-SAFE, SAFE, and talk to someone. They can lead you to someone locally that you can speak with, or you can go and visit every women's place here in town. There's also other counselors. If you Google it, it a lot of information comes up. I know I tried it. And, and I um, would also... And also, Mitzi, uh, who is here, we have her information that will be linked to this podcast as well. Um, and we have a question. <laughs> okay. The question is, how do you know, how did you know when you reached your end? For me, I had been praying when I immediately knew that something was not right. And I think Mitzi just said it. When you start to evaluate yourself mm -hmm. and you take a really good look at yourself and you say, have I done my job? Have I done my work? Then you start to think, if I've done all of this, I've surrendered, it is time for me to let go. And it really is a calculated decision. Um, yeah. I knew when I received a call that one of my daughter's um, classmates had been murdered by her dad. Oh my God. I remembered that this is real. I can no longer play with what is going on in the privacy of my home because individuals are dying from the lack of sensitivity and mm -hmm. because of the lack of knowledge. And so it wasn't until this child was murdered. Four years old. Four she? years old mm -hmm. that I said, it's time for me to educate myself. 
it's time for me to come out of denial because the very thing that was happening in that child's yes. household was happening in mine. I had to be, I had to be unshamed because I was embarrassed and I was shamed. I'm a professor at a college. I'm in the community. I'm an upstanding uh, female in my community. And to co to go live and to go public that this is what was going on in my family was most the most embarrassing thing ever. But I knew if I wanted to live my life, save my daughter's life, and save my husband's life, I had to go live. I had to go and seek help publicly. So that's when I knew when someone else's life was taken and mine's was spared, I said, Susan's life was taken for me to live. And if God spares me the life to live, I must leave and know that God will take care of myself, my husband, and my daughter. Brave. Wow. Wow. So that's when I knew wow. <laughs> that enough was enough because I, I can, I'm almost positive yeah. that if Satan had his way, I would not have been able to come back home to Miss Muskegon. I know that for a fact. And because God had a place for you here. Exactly. Because the scripture is real. Amen. Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And I was yes. on his hit list. But to God Ooh, be the glory that God I can sit here glory. today Hallelujah. with all victory and all <laughs> excitement yes. to let somebody know who may not know that Christ is really a keeper, a deliverer, and he will, he will direct your path. And I would like to think that I only knew because I was listening to the will of God for my life so that I could be the, the voice for someone tonight that is suffering, someone tonight yes. that's sitting in their room or watching this and they're embarrassed. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to even start the process. But no, God has provided us with resources. God has provided us with men and women like myself who is no longer afraid, who has a voice, who will raise my voice and who will help you to raise and live your life that God has intended for you to live. Yes, powerful. Thank you, Lord. Wow, this has been amazing, and our time is up. But I do, again, want to thank Mitzi for coming and fielding questions, and especially you, Henrietta. I thank you for your testimony. I thank you for your bravery and your transparency and just being willing to sit here and open up your life just so that somebody, somebody else can be helped. So we appreciate you. We thank you, and we are... Signing off, this is Vanessa Davis with Aglow Muskegon, and God bless you.